0: Hi, I'm Jason Schwimmer, and this is a podcast about my journey to meet seven male strangers who all have one thing in common with me. We all played the voice of DW, the little sister character on the popular kids' show, Arthur.
1: Arthur, it's Saturday! Oh yeah,
0: That's me, in an episode called Arthur's Snowbiz, an episode where there's a big snowstorm and Arthur and Buster compete to see who can create the best snow-clearing business in town. The episode aired in September 2003. Last week, I spoke with Andrew Dayton, the sixth person who played the voice of DW on Arthur. I also spoke with Ethan Pugiotto, the eighth and potentially last person who will ever play DW on Arthur. Talking with them helped me get a little bit closer to finding the answer to the question I'm searching for. When I was the voice of DW, did I peak? Will I ever do anything more meaningful or significant? I have now spoken to all the male voice actors who played the voice of DW. I guess that means I can pack up my microphone and head home, right? Except, right when I started releasing episodes of this podcast, I got a DM on Instagram that changed everything. I can't believe I found this. I used to voice DW for a brief period in 2007. I recorded a couple of episodes before my voice changed. I read your article in the Toronto Star, and I can't believe there are so many of us out there. Ryan Aronworth I couldn't believe it. Ryan's name doesn't appear anywhere online as someone who played the voice of DW, but here he was. Another person who has this shared experience with me and the other former voices of Arthur's little sister. I responded, and thankfully, he agreed to speak with me. Here's what Ryan sounded like as the voice of DW.
1: Well, I don't like it. I say we call it Castle Starfish. And here's what he sounds like now. Hello, my name is Ryan Aaronworth, and I was the third and a half person to play DW on Arthur. I had the part in season 7 in 2007. It's, it's, it's so crazy to just connect with somebody that did something that you did and similar age, um, similar experiences with child acting. I mean,
0: I had him say third and a half because he played the part briefly right after me and
1: before Robert Naylor, who was the fourth person to play D.W. I guess uh, my story might be slightly different than everybody else's, but uh, it's interesting to reminisce nonetheless. But how briefly are we talking here? I got my mom to send me a few of the emails um, back from that time, she happened to have them. So uh, I was looking back, I, uh, I taped my first episode on September 11, 2006 at uh, Studio 306. Um, the email was saying that at the time they had only committed to one episode um, because they wanted to make sure that my voice was going to blend in well with the rest of the cast. Uh, the, the casting director, I believe, was Deborah Toffin, right? Or Toffin. And uh, from what my emails show is that she was very supportive of my voice, but that the the, uh, the production company was really wanted to make sure that everything kind of matched up with the previous uh, the previous actor, which of course would have been you, Jason. And um, I guess that for for whatever reason, after. Uh, the first pilot episode we did, they decided to go into a different direction.
0: Wow. Okay, so you you really did only do one episode? I did only one episode. You know how each episode of Arthur is broken into two 10-minute episodes? Well, his episode is called Swept Away, which aired
1: in June 2007. That that could very likely be true, in which case I'm the only actor who, who did half an episode of Arthur. <laughs> that's, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah it's it's quite unique in that sense right um i i it's so hard to think back at that time and remember the exact details but i think i i think that what the situation was is they had me read for a few different episodes at the time and that um maybe if they use the one i'm not exactly sure but they decided, hey, this is not the voice we'd like. Maybe it's a little bit too husky, a little bit too deep. So we're going to go in with a different direction. How did you How did you feel when you heard about
0: this podcast and and sort of the idea behind it?
1: You know, it's it's funny because it seems like you know, even though this role was so short lived for me, it seemed to have uh, followed me for many, many a year, it, uh, it seems to be my, uh, my trivia anytime anybody asks you, tell me two truths and a lie. This one always tends to come up and it, it, it has a certain way of uh, following us around.
0: I asked him if he remembered his audition.
1: I do remember auditioning. I remember getting the call back and being tremendously excited that I was getting a call back. And then I remember booking it and thinking, wow, this is the greatest thing ever. But I don't even know if I was aware at the time that it was going to be, you know, this singular commitment that would be something that I would have to prove myself over time and time again um, in order to retain the part. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just so long ago that I can't remember the exact details. But I do remember um, when I was first asked to do the, to read for the part just being really excited, being like, "This is this would be amazing for me if I was able to learn this part."
0: And I'm realizing that if they, if at any point they played back, um, you know, if they were like, "Here's what DW sounds like," and if they played that into your headphones, that that, that might have been, been that would have been me.
1: It would have been you, absolutely. And <laughs> I think that's I think that was the whole process. It would have been um, hearing the voice, trying to mirror the voice as best as I could um, the, the meter of the voice, all, all just shaping my voice completely, like almost like filling a vase, right? You're trying to match that voice, the energy of the voice, the tempo of the voice. And, and if you can do that in the right way, then, then you're going to be the successor part.
0: How do you feel when people sort of react to you telling them that, uh, you were DW? I mean, do they even believe you?
1: Yeah, it, it, it comes with a little bit of shock and awe. Um, it's uh, it's one of those characters, I feel like, that's just so enduring. The whole show is just so enduring that um, when you mention those uh, characters of the show itself, people just tend to get excited. Uh, they, they they recognize it as a show that they likely watched as a child. And uh, uh, any time that they hear that one of their friends or one of their colleagues has been a part of it, it uh it brings up some excitement and some joy so it's uh, it's been fun to play around with for sure for me it's just so interesting to just like go back to that time of my life where um you know not a lot of lucid memories but just a time where uh it was very formative in a way
0: so i'd love to sort of get into you know your your career as an actor because correct me if i'm wrong but you actually had done some acting uh starting around 2003 before becoming the voice of dw in 2007.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's uh, It started for me quite young. I guess it would have been uh, seven or eight years old. I was always really comfortable um, in front of people and in front of the camera. For me, it was just an outlet for uh, my bubbly personality. It was always, you know, I felt more comfortable in an adult world than I did necessarily in a child world. So for me, it was just, you know, natural for me to, to be on stage and to begin acting. So it It started in 2003 uh, with a couple of short films that I did, um, and it really uh, kind of percolated along to, you know, into my early teens." Those are both things we have in common.
0: I also felt pretty comfortable as a kid in an adult world, and I got into voice acting because my mom thought I would be good at it thanks to my outgoing personality as a kid. I asked Ryan if he could sort of speak on what that felt like being a kid in an adult's world and why that was important for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I echo that. Certainly, it, it, it feels like one of those complex emotions that's difficult to quantify. But for me, it was always just um, I wouldn't even say it was a level of maturity, but just maybe a level of confidence that I had that maybe other people didn't, where it was just so easy for me to transition into different environments and and be able to demonstrate who I was. I think, you know, I might have had a better sense of self at that time than maybe I do now, which is curious to me, especially listening to your previous episodes of, of, um, you know, uh, the previous actors looking to find their way. I kind of I kind of see that side of it as well, where it's, um, you know, uh, being thrust into this role or into acting generally as a young child and now coming to terms and reconciling um, it with your current life.
0: All right. Let's take a quick break. Here's a word from our sponsors. Finding DW is independently produced by me, Jason Schwimmer. If you want to support the show, the best way you can do that is by checking out my Patreon. Supporters like you help me spend more time doing what I love, creating this podcast for you to enjoy. Plus, when you support this podcast, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus podcast episodes that feature full-length interviews with each person who appears on my show. Head to patreon.com forward slash findingdw. That's F-I-N-D-I-N-G-D-W. No punctuation. There's also a link in the episode notes. Thank you very much. And now, back to the show. Welcome back. Ryan got so much fulfillment from being a voice actor, but are you still working as a voice or screen actor?
1: So I'm not. No, I uh, I think I, I pivoted away from that uh, roughly about the time I entered high school. Um, it seemed to be one of those situations where um, it just became a little bit overwhelming with Work and school and, and outside activities, and I really just kind of wanted to focus in on uh, my personal life as opposed to a professional life at at that such an early age. Can you tell me about why
0: you stopped working as an actor and the decisions in your life that led you towards studying law?
1: Right, um, I think really what what was the major trigger for me to stop acting. So I grew up in in Markham, Ontario, which uh, is about twenty minutes outside of Toronto, half an hour outside of Toronto, and I just remember. Um, being stuck in these cattle call uh, acting auditions with hundreds and hundreds of kids and sitting there for two hours while you're waiting for your five o'clock audition that doesn't take place till 7.30 at night. Um, And for me, you know, that just became so onerous after, you know, it would have been almost 10 years of of competing for roles, getting certain roles, being rejected for certain roles. And I just thought I got to do something different um, I always had a passion for education, reading, writing, I always had that creative side to me. Um, but I also had a passion for social issues and social justice, which I think led naturally to a career in law. Um, I always thought that uh it, it would be something that I would be interested in doing, and I think a lot of the skills that I built through a year or, or through a career as an actor really translate well as an advocate. Um, you know, you have Uh, certain oral and and written abilities, um, the ability to have the confidence in front of people, um, whether it's delivering a monologue or advocating on behalf of a client in a courtroom. Um, I think a lot of those two skill sets really play off each other very well.
0: Was it difficult to step away from the world of acting, the world of show business?
1: Yeah, I think it was. I think for so long, it just served as such a major part of my identity that when that part of me got stripped away, I think, like everybody, there's, there's a natural grieving process to it. Um, It's, it's, it's something that, you know, when I finally decided to go a different direction, for me, it just, uh, you know, I, I had to find a new passion. And without that passion in my life for a while, just kind of feel felt lost. You know what I mean? It's, it's, um, uh, you know, I, I think of myself 14, 15 years old in a period where you're really just trying to establish an identity as a person. And for so long, this piece of me was my identity. and to take that away from me was really, uh, it, it was difficult in some ways. Um, and it, it, naturally, I was looking for something else, and I guess, This is kind of the path that I've gravitated towards, whether it was a conscious decision or an unconscious decision. I
0: asked Ryan if he felt weird or strange for having played the voice of a girl
1: on TV. (laughs) You know what? I don't think so. I think for me, it was just super excited to have a role on on a major television show and uh, it didn't matter if it was male, female, human, or aardvark. It uh, <laughs> it was it was just uh, just exciting for me to uh, keep building my career, which is weird to say as I guess I would have been twelve years old. But it, at the time, it was it was important for me. Here's here's a show that could be a stepping stone to something else, and and it, it really it must have been because I, I continued to do voice work for quite a while after that. Um, yeah, different shows.
0: How did your um how did your friends and family react when you started you know working as an actor even before DW?
1: Yeah I mean it was always something that made me feel special maybe something that differentiated me from my peers in some way um, not in in an egotistical type sense, but in a sense that, well, maybe it was an egotistical type sense.
0: I know that sometimes I've included that I was the voice of DW as a line on my resume when applying to jobs. I figure it's a good way to help me throw something out there that helps me stand out a little. I wanted to know if that's something Ryan does in his law career.
1: So it's not. It's something, again, I've also considered doing, but I'm looking to just define myself by my work now and not necessarily by my work in the past. Um, it's it's very tempting to tap into that that sort of not fame but that sort of allure that surrounds this industry that we are in, um, but but nothing that I've necessarily brought up in a in a professional context, but something that I like to you know bring up every once in a while in a social setting where uh, it, it can always be an interesting point of conversation, something that uh, happened in my past that people might find interesting. It's it's that balance between having success at a young age and seeking success as an adult, and they don't necessarily correspond to each other. Um, it's it's really about sort of trying to pave your way um, through your old identity into your new identity.
0: Which was interesting to hear because that's exactly how I feel. I would also prefer to define myself based on the work I'm doing now, not just by something I did when I was 10, except Ryan feels comfortable bringing up that he was DW in social settings, something I find myself getting better and more comfortable with over time. Did playing DW change you?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, whether it's... Wow. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a provocative question. Um, that's why I ask. Yeah, I I think it it surely did in maybe more ways than I can really understand. I think it was really reflective of my entire acting career um, as a whole. Um, Great highs, great lows, and everything in between.
0: And given that Ryan seems to have made peace with having played DW, that he's moved on and into another career entirely, but... Looks back fondly on his past as a voice actor. I asked if he had any advice for me on how to complete my journey.
1: You know what? I don't think you'll ever be able to completely move on from from a role like that. I think it's just it's just so big and so defining. But I think you know whatever you're gonna do, the best thing that you can do is dive headlong into it, pave your way like you did before. Um, and I think if you can. Put that much energy and that much passion into anything, that that you can you can become whatever you'd like to be, whether it's you know um, a talk show host or DW.
0: When I started with this mission, I was asking myself about whether or not I would ever do anything more meaningful or significant in my life than playing DW on Arthur. But ever since speaking with Andrew Dayton, the sixth DW, I feel differently. Maybe I won't do anything more famous than playing DW. But that doesn't mean that what I do in my life isn't meaningful. But in terms of chasing a high or a level of success, I was curious if Ryan might sort of feel like you're trying to
1: do that with law. In some ways, I think I am. I think. But again, it just goes back to, you know, personal feelings of validation versus external feelings of validation, where you have all these people around you at such a young age saying, wow, you're doing something that's awesome, that's interesting, that's unique. And maybe you're not feeling that at the time. But then when you become an adult, and you feel something that you're doing is to yourself incredibly validating, you're still searching for that external validation, which you might not necessarily be getting in your day to day nine to five. And I think that might be something that Causes me some struggle as an adult, and I, I a thought just popped up to me, and I wonder if if I had my own kids and I wanted to put them through a similar experience, would I? Yeah. And the answer is I don't know. I don't know if it's something that has left a lasting impact on my psyche, whether it was something that was positive and built confidence and people skills moving forward, or whether. Um, you know I think that's part of the challenge of being a child actor as well. you see you know a lot of these these kids getting built up so high and and, and falling down rather quickly but there's got to be something in the middle too and and uh, it's it's an interesting thought yeah so yeah I hope that in a way we're grieving properly <laughs> yeah that, that word grief it's i, I mean, it, it really is truly the feeling that, that I feel with that role in some ways. It's, it, you know, I, I properly grieved that role and I've moved on and here I am today.
0: Yeah. But you know, as, uh, as Michael Scott once said, there's such a thing as good grief. Just ask Charlie Brown. <laughs> That's so good. I still can't believe that there was this mysterious other DW out there who found me. Speaking with Ryan was surreal. It was amazing to hear about his experience playing DW in what was likely only one episode of Arthur. I was so glad to connect with him and to tell his story. Plus, I realized that while speaking with him, that I've started feeling differently about having played DW. While we were talking, I didn't feel like I was trying to find answers. It felt more like we were both sharing the conclusions we had come to, like two students comparing what they'd written in an essay. For Ryan, Having played the voice of DW is an experience he looks back on fondly, and something that he honors in the form of bringing up in social settings. He has a respectful appreciation for his time in the role, and seems at peace with where he is now. His grieving is done, and after having talked to him, I think I'm almost done too. So, thanks for talking with me, Ryan. I'm really glad I decided to find the other guys who played DW. Through listening back to my conversations with each person, I can hear myself building a better relationship with my time as DW than I had before. So that's it for this episode. Now I've really spoken to all the actors who played DW. Guess that means the mission's over, right? Well, what if I told you that there's more? What if I told you that DW is based on a real person, and that I've decided to track down and interview that person too? Well, that's true. And I found all this out by speaking with the most trustworthy source possible when it comes to all things Arthur. Here's a clip. Um, And Ar- Arthur was always like the straight man. He would set it up and DW would come in for the kill. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I gave you all those good lines.
0: I appreciate it. I love, um, so I love you talking. You did
1: a good job with him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you, Mark, that means a lot. That's right. Next time, my conversation with the creator of Arthur mark brown and until then thanks for listening this podcast was made possible in part from contributions through patreon from listeners like you thank you blendy Quentin reviews sam brodaddy and alex